0: Hello, friends! Exciting news for today's Stampies Award show. Lisa and I have picked up a new sponsor.
1: And it is Four Color Fantasies. You have already heard us wax poetic about Four Color Fantasies. It's in Winchester, Virginia, and we get in our car and drive for an hour to browse their back issues.
0: There has been so much conversation about comic book retailers lately, and we are so lucky to know Four Color Fantasies. It is easily one of the best shops in our area. It's been operating for 36 years, 36 years.
1: We love Mike and Eric. They have the friendliest, most knowledgeable staff. They have bottomless back issues that are constantly being rotated. They have amazing events and that would be enough to make it an amazing comic book store, but they do more.
0: They have built this tremendous community around them. Not only are they co-sponsors of our Alamo Drafthouse Film Club series that we do every month. Next movie is Hulk 2003 on January 21st at four o'clock. But every Tuesday, They put out a video highlighting the new releases of the week. You can find those videos on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, links in the show notes. They have this infectious enthusiasm for the medium and they have a true love of the medium. They love comics, every kind of comic.
1: And they love readers, which they've proved many times over with their sketch cover charity auction. They've raised over $27,000 for the literacy volunteers of the Winchester area featuring artists that you're going to want a piece of.
0: Yeah, one time they had Daniel Warren Johnson do this incredible Beta Ray Bill sketch.
1: It wrapped around. Yeah,
0: of course we did not have a score of that one, but it is kind of ridiculous how Lisa and I alone have been able to acquire original art by the likes of Jeff Lemire, Brian Stelfries, Steve Lieber, for super inexpensive prices. This auction, this is where you need to be if you love comic book art.
1: And if you splurge a little, that's okay. It's all for literacy, and guess what? They ship, so you are a silly goose if you do not follow all of their socials and see when they announce that that next auction is kicking off.
0: Yeah, and the next auction will have original art from the likes of like Charlie Adler and Sean Phillips. I've seen the Sean Phillips, James Bond cover. Oh, And Lisa and I will be gutting for it, so you're gonna have to compete <laughs> with us.
1: Now, if you are local or you don't mind a long drive, January 6th, Four Color Fantasies will be having their massive post-Christmas sale.
0: And it's so cool how they do it. So starting at noon from one o'clock, everything in the shop is 5% off.
1: One till two, 10%. Two to three, 15%.
0: Three
1: to four, 20%.
0: Four to six, 25%. But that is where the game's discount is capped.
1: 6 till 8,
0: 30%. 8 to 9, 35%.
1: 9 till 10, 40%. Supplies discount capped.
0: 10 to 11, 45% off, but that's where the new comics and trades
1: discount gets capped. And here's where it gets nuts. Do you want to get nuts?
0: Let's get nuts.
1: 11 till midnight, 50% off of all back issues.
0: So they do this sale every year. They also do a pre-Christmas sale every year. And Lisa and I did attend the pre-Christmas sale from 11 to midnight And we bought so many G.I. Joe comics for so little. Uh, It's such an event, absolutely worth the drive. Four Color Fantasies in Winchester, Virginia. Make sure you're following all of their socials, especially their Facebook page, because that's where you do all your bidding for the Cover Sketch Charity Auction. And they haven't announced some of the covers that they've gotten so far. And you're gonna really wanna place some bids on this original art, friends.
1: It's the best kept secret in comics. So good, we don't want to tell you. We would much rather just buy these ourselves.
0: But they had to sponsor us. Yeah.
1: So, so. secrets <laughs> out. Bum 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 You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson.
0: And I'm Brad Gullickson. And
1: each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. In this episode... Part the beaded curtain. Everyone put your keys in the bowl. We've lit scented candles, we've pushed the hard furniture to the walls to make room for bean bags and Afghans because we are having a lovin' for books
0: uh, w- 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 why are they putting their keys in the bowl
1: because we don't want all that jingle jangle poking us while we're reading our comics <laughs> it's the 2023 <laughs> stampies part one
0: i love these episodes our stampies and i think this is the first year in which we're calling them the stampies i'm from still the not ju- sold on it you're not sold on not the stampies some, no i'm joking why why do we call them the stampies? Because it gets our stamp of approval. That's These right. comics get our stamp of approval. Which sounds serious and official, but really it's anything but.
1: We love our caveats here in the love nest, and we gotta say, these prizes, these awards, have no merit, they're just decided (laughs) on between me and Brad, of the books that we read, and we definitely haven't read every single book, every single comic, written in 2023. We did our
0: best, but. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's been an incredible year. and I think we say that every year, and I just feel like every year keeps topping the previous year. 2023 has just been one of my favorite years as a couple, one of my my favorite years as a reader, one of my favorite years as a podcaster. Uh, It's insane how many good to great comics came out in 2023. And the way we make sense of it all is that we make this massive list of our favorite comics. And again, these are like our favorite comics. These aren't even necessarily the best comics of the year. It's just what Brad and Lisa like. So we compile this huge list of books and then we make up the awards so that we can talk about these books.
1: This is just an excuse to do more of what we love, talk about comics, and share them with you guys. Yeah, I mean, like, top 10
0: lists, award ceremonies, they're, you know, subjective. They're kind of meaningless, ultimately. Except that they do stir conversation. And that's why I love the end of the year. I love listening to every podcast give their favorite comics, their favorite movies, their favorite TV episodes. I read every list that every website puts out because I just love living In the year that was 2023, especially when it was such a good year like the one that we had.
1: And as per tradition, as a means of covering our butts, we have invited so many friends, podcasters, journalists, and the like to share their favorite comics. And dude, there are definitely books that they mentioned that we have not read yet.
0: So before each award, you will hear from one of our guests. Please go to the show notes, find them, follow them on their socials. These people are all super cool and very generous with their time. And, you know, they don't repeat themselves. (laughs) I think only one comic gets mentioned multiple times from different folks, and it never comes up in our own awards. And I think that is really just indicative, again, of how awesome 2023 was for a comics fan.
1: One last thing. This episode always brings new people to the party, people who are tasting comic book couples counseling for the first time, and we just wanna say welcome. Hello. Shoes off optional.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely, you know, if this is your first time to comic book couples counseling, please head into our back catalog and browse around. We just had our fifth anniversary episode where we counseled Scott Summers and Emma Frost, yes, We are tackling Schema for the first time in January. We're gonna do a four part series on their relationship, pairing them with a self-help book and going through their, their craziness.
1: You'll also notice back there, we have had some astonishing interviews. We've talked to Robert Kirkman. We've talked to Academy Award winner, Jamie Lee Curtis. We've talked to Todd McFarlane. We've talked to Daniel Warren Johnson. Christian War. Yeah,
0: a lot, a lot of people.
1: And you're going to love our latest Creator Corner episode with Sarah Meyer talking about their memoir, Monstrous, a Transracial Adoption Story.
0: Which may or may not come up in our Stampies award ceremony. Ooh, spoilers. spoilers. So for this first Stampies episode, we will be covering these awards. Best Comic Book Couple, Best Superhero Series, Best All Ages Comic, Best Memoir, Best Digital Comic, Best First Issue, and Best Single Issue.
1: And our next episode, Stampies Part 2, will have these categories. Writer of the Year, Artist of the Year, Best International Release. Best Ongoing Series, Best Limited Series, Best Original Graphic Novel, and Something Special, a new category.
0: So let's go ahead and wade into this lovin' and get this party started. I have turned all the pineapples upside down in this house.
1: I am dressed from head to toe, complete in Janice from the Muppets cosplay.
0: Therefore, we're ready to receive our first guest.
2: Hi, Comic Couples. I'm Sal from the YouTube channel Comic Pop and Comic Pop Returns. And I wanted to share my favorite book of 2023, which is kind of like Picking Your Favorite Child, because there are so many incredible comic books that come out every single year. And 2023 was no exception. In fact, there were some incredible series that came out in 2022 that the bulk of the series continued and wrapped up in 2023. I cite Gotham City Year One from Tom King and Phil Hester. That book was Incredible. Blew my mind. And I want to say that technically, I think by issue six, I was blown away entirely uh, by that series. And I knew it was going to be something special. But there's, oh man, Batman Superman World's Finest is what DC should be aspiring to achieve on a monthly basis from their line. The Joshua Williamson, Jamal Campbell Superman series debuted in 2023. It was Exactly what Superman fans have been clamoring for for years, and it's finally here and it is delivering on every single level. That Green Arrow series, as well, was incredible. This is just me m- mentioning books, and this isn't even all the X stuff that my wife Tiffany would absolutely be talking about. For example, she is a big booster of what Al Ewing, Kieran Gillen, and Cy Spurrier are doing/slash have been doing in 2023 with. The X Line. She, I know, loved Kieran Gillen's Eternals. The AXE event was actually really poignant and beautiful and executed with poise and grace. Uh, the Immortal X Men series has been incredible. Sins of Sinister was an event to behold. Uh, I know that she's also really been enjoying the Moon Knight series from Jed McKay, and that book has been consistently excellent. I believe that's actually the first time that she, beginning to end, read an entire Moon Knight series, and also loved it. DC Black Label also had an incredible year where we saw the end of the, I want to say, flawless Human Target series from Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Uh, Swamp Thing: Green Hell also completed in 2023. I really was surprised to see a book called Waller vs. Wildstorm that began and ended all in 2023. Uh, we saw the debut of Last Days of Lex Luthor, which who knows when that'll ever finish. Oh, and Daniel Warren Johnson's Power Powerbomb launched and ended in 2023. And anything from D-dubs is definitely worth the price of admission. <laughs> Suffice it to say, and I think the main takeaway here is that every year we get really, really incredible comic books. And I just want to take a minute to celebrate that fact. Comics are an incredible medium. And we are so lucky and spoiled on the fact that artists of all types... Come together every single year and make something new, fresh, interesting, innovative, and groundbreaking just for us. Thank you so much for having me. Sal is the perfect person to
0: kick things off because he could not pick one comic as his favorite. He had to name like... 13 comics, which is, you know, indicative of what we've been saying, that 2023 really was an outstanding year for the medium.
1: It just feels like incredible. Like it feels magical that some of our favorite creators put out multiple books this year, like banger after banger which is like the most smooth and beautiful and natural transition (laughs) into our very first category.
0: (laughs) Very good, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, Our first stampy is best comic book couple. And we got to give it to Gabby and Trudy from I Hate This Place by Kyle Starks and Artem Topolin. Kyle Starks has had possibly one of the best years of his career with books like Peacemaker Tries Hard, Where Monsters Lie, Marvel Pets Unleashed, and of course completing I Hate This Place, a book that Lisa and I have obsessed over for the last two years.
1: When people talk about Kyle Starks, the first thing they go to is his humor. Mm -hmm. He is so ridiculously funny. His brain is so, like going in all directions at all times he can always reach for that unexpected thing and it's like such a total delight. And
0: I Hate This Place is a kitchen sink horror comic you know it's about Gabby and Trudy going to this house in the woods and at this house like every horror thing is happening you know let's throw in evil dead let's throw in UFOs let's throw in time travel.
1: And it makes it impossible to guess what you're going to see on the next page and that is so fun and exciting but the reason I Hate This Place is getting the special distinction of best comic book couple is that Kyle Starks has this tremendous intuition when it comes to writing relationships. And Gabby and Trudy are what we are always looking for in in stories, is a couple that is functioning so uh, at such a high degree, even though they are different, like they um, have their conflicts, they don't always see eye to eye, but instead of seeing that as reason for them to fight all of the time and bicker, he makes it a reason why they survive.
0: And the love is so tangible mm-hmm. in the book so that when the threats become as extreme as they do, especially towards the climax of I Hate This Place, our hopes and dreams for them are so palpable mm-hmm. and they it that it feels fragile and you're you you are worrying. you are so stressed out about what's going to happen to these two. At the end of "I Hate This Place," and we're not going to spoil anything, but they they do find a climax. You know, Artem Topolin and Kyle Starks find a climax for this book. I wish it could have gone on forever for at least fifty more issues, but what we get is satisfying. And you know, Artem Topolin also is the perfect match for Kyle Starks and what he's trying to do with the relationship.
1: Yeah, it's the perfect balance of like grounded and whimsy.
0: There is a recognizable reality in the illustrations, in their expressions, mm-hmm. but it can also venture into pure cartooning, right? Yeah, and yeah. that is a delight.
1: The storytelling in I Hate This Place is just like so dense, and there is so much, and just two trade paperbacks, just so much to unpack. And we are totally 100% covering Gabby and Trudy in a coupling session in 2024. It yeah. just has to happen.
0: Yeah, I think we should do it after Scott and Emma. You know, that should be like our February, March couple.
1: Yes, like a Valentine's Day special. Yeah. Okay, one category down, many to come. I feel like we're in a good space. We've got some good vibes going. Let's mingle about the love nest and see who else is ready to love on some comics.
3: Hello everyone out there in comic book couples counseling land. I am Vactor from the Vactorverse youtube.com slash Vactor and I'm here to talk about my favorite book of 2023. Now it's hard for me not to say saga but I'm gonna change it up flip it up because I said saga last year. This year I'm gonna go with Dan Mora, Mark Wade, Batman, Superman, World's Finest. This is exactly what the title says the world's finest i i don't think there was a better artist in 2023 than dan mora i don't think there was a better writer than mark wade in 2023 so this tag team has done a fantastic job i love everything about this book i love that it's all of the classic stuff from when i was growing up and it's all of the modern stuff that's coming out right now it's just a mixture and blend of the two a fantastic hybrid i love it no one understands these characters better than mark wade And I think you're going to get a whole lot of fun out of this one. So definitely check out Batman Superman World's Finest if you have not. And big shout out to Brad and Lisa, you two, five years. Congratulations of doing a fantastic job. Here's to 500 more. Thank you, Vector, although I gotta say, I don't know if that is a blessing
0: or a curse. 500 more years of comic book couples counseling. Yeah,
1: that sounds like a real like monkey's paw. Like, uh, my back is sore now, you know? So like in 500 years, am I just going to be a skull and a microphone?
0: I imagine it'll be like us at Pompeii. You know, we're <laughs> dust, but we're holding each oh, other. Oh, it's sweet Microphone in hand still. <laughs> and Vactor gave another shout out to World's Finest. Not the last time you'll hear about this comic book on the Stampies.
1: But it is not our selection for best superhero series. That goes to another DC comic, Birds of Prey.
0: Like Mark Wade and Dan Mora being like the perfect pairing, Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, and colorist Jordi Belair Like they come together and they deliver a book that looks unlike any other spandex book out there. Even though Leonardo Romero is clearly from the school of Alex Toth. Like he belongs out there with Chris Somney and Tom Riley and Alex Mayleave.
1: I would toss a little Elsa Chartier and Darwin Cook in there.
0: Absolutely. 100%. But it's Jordi Belair combined with Leonardo Romero that just like takes it to this other realm. And we've only had 4 issues of Birds of Prey, but they have been perfect issues. And talk about great character dynamics. This team, like you when you heard the announcement like, "Oh, these folks are all going to come together." You're like, "That's absurd. That's crazy."
1: <laughs> who do you know who put it best? It was Harley Quinn who said, "It's weird, but it's an A-list weird, and I'm into it." Like, "Yes, Harley, me too."
0: Yeah, and the whole idea of we have to bust into Themyscira to break out sin, uh, like like the stakes are high.
1: Yeah, I, but I love the emphasis on like sisterhood and all of the multifaceted things that sisterhood can and will ultimately mean.
0: Yeah, and Kelly Thompson, like every issue like ends with like a dun, 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 and you're, you're freaking out. You're just dying to get to that next book. It is a highly addictive comic.
1: For me, I'm showing up for the characters. I feel like Kelly Thompson really shines in the dialogue and how she can delineate each of the characters' voices without them being too much of like caricatures. Like I love her Big Barda and Big Barda's kind of stilted, but weirdly warm manner. And that balanced with Harley Quinn being genuinely hilarious and funny and vulnerable.
0: I love Zealot, a character Mm. that I have not read since I was a teenager when Zealot was just this Image Comics creation hanging out in Wildcats, but here is zealot with Harley Quinn and like that combo shouldn't work but does and yeah it's because Kelly Thompson just knows how to maneuver and manipulate these dynamics and while I agree that ultimately it is the character work the emotion that is bringing me back to the comic over and over again you cannot deny the action Mm -hmm. in this series it's some of the finest that we've seen this year and the splash pages like that splash page in the Oblivion bar in the second issue. I've been thinking about that constantly since I read it.
1: Oh yeah, those like third-rate golems. Yeah, living rent-free in the back of my head. Another thing that's great about this book is the way it is in conversation with Tom King's Wonder Woman right now, which I'm not going to get into, but I feel like this is like the peak of what superhero comics are meant to be.
0: Shared universes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, from the first issue, you know that Wonder Woman is gonna land at some point and it's gonna be devastating. So the time bomb of Wonder Woman's arrival in those first four issues, uh, I mean, all, you know, <laughs> it's it's exciting. It's I exciting just feel stuff.
1: like as a culture right now with superhero comics, we are really expanding and exploring what it means to be a female superhero and how complicated that can be and how. Um, confining it can be when people are go are are laying out their expectations.
0: Yeah, so we only had 4 issues of Birds of Prey. It seems like a bold proclamation to say that it's our favorite superhero series. But this is of our, the show. Year. But our show. But it's our show and they were 4 10 out of 10 comics, so right? So fun. Uh the 5th issue comes out in January, the first week of January, and sadly, <laughs> unfortunately, Leonardo Romero is not able to illustrate that issue mm-hmm. I think there's some time constraint stuff happening and that does also highlight the frustrations of <laughs> superhero comics Yeah, it's a bummer that Leonardo Romero had to step out for one issue but thankfully Romero and Air will be back on the sixth and final issue of that arc in February uh, and it's going to make for a really handsome trade paperback yeah World's Finest, also really, really, really good.
1: Yeah, read that too.
0: Now to set up our next category, we're gonna bring in a couple guests to name their favorite comics of 2023.
4: Hey everyone, this is Chris Hacker. And Aaron Knowles. And we are the host of the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Firstly, we wanted to thank both Brad and Lisa for not only being one of our podcasting BFFs, Mm. but also inviting us to contribute to their end of year episode. Yeah, we had a couple choices we wanted to promote here. Titles like Kill Your Darlings by Ethan Parker, Griffin Sheridan, and Bob Quinn. Or Superman Lost by Christopher Priest and Carlo Pagulian. And how could we forget Batman City of Madness by our main man, Christian Ward. But we ultimately decided on championing the Boombox young adult series, Zawa and the Belly of the Beast by Michael D'Alanos. Shameless plug, but we had Michael on the show not too long ago to discuss this series. And while we were excited for its release based on it being on the cover of previews and it just being a beautiful book, you can tell based on how Michael talks about Zawa that this story is one that he's always wanted to tell. Zawa. <laughs> and the crazy part is that Michael is doing everything with this book. He's writing, illustrating, mm. inking, coloring, and lettering. The man's just a box of talent. do-it-all. Do-it-all. Like Chris said, it's clear he's super passionate about this book, and it makes it easy to recommend the series to new readers and old readers. At the time of this recording, there's only been one issue that's been released, but we are confident that just with that inaugural issue, you too will fall in love with Zawa. So once again, thank you to the Gullixons for not only asking us to do this blurb, but also just putting out an episode like this, which is honestly great on its own. Yeah, we can't wait to hear what other 2023 comics everyone else is loving.
5: Bye! Bye!
6: Hi Lisa and Brad, this is Oliver Sava, arts and culture writer for Polygon, Vulture, Chicago Magazine, and many more, and I wanted to talk about one of my favorite comics of 2023, Wes Craig's Kaya from Image Comics. Most people will know Craig as the artist and co-creator of Deadly Class with Rick Remender, but Kaya is his first ongoing series as both writer and artist, and it is phenomenal. It's a gorgeous fantasy series about a teenage girl with a robot arm, and her little brother, who is prophecy to stop an evil robot empire. And every page is overflowing with personality and detail and just pure creative passion. Craig's approach to world building is totally immersive. He relies on creature, character, environment design to shape the narrative as much as, if not more than, the script. And the script gives you a lot political intrigue, mystical conflicts, tragic romance, and at the heart, this tender relationship between a brother and sister. Craig has brilliant support from Jason Wordy on Colors and and Design on Letters, and I especially appreciate what Craig does with the design of the book. Each issue of Kaya has text on the cover teasing what will happen in the issue, as well as a summary of the book's overall concept and a previously on, highlighting the things you need to know the most. Anyone can pick up a random issue of Kaya and have enough context to understand the story, and each chapter is so impressive that I have a hard time imagining someone picking this book up and not immediately wanting more. Thank you so much for thinking of me, and I hope you have a great 2024.
0: I love Oliver's pick. Kaya, you may recall, was a referral from several episodes ago.
1: Yeah, but he made it sound interesting. <laughs> like, now I actually want to read it.
0: <laughs> uh, touche and fair, Lisa. And fair. look at the
1: Oblivion Bar boys walking around our party like the dudes with a with a boom box yep. on the beach. Their
0: production is incredible. Making
1: it festive.
0: Actual skills there, those podcasters <laughs> have. Uh, great picks. Also, Zawa is a book that neither lisa and i have read yet but it is in our poll box we have it there waiting i was gonna say on the shelf but it's in a pile yeah. by the bed yeah uh we will get to it uh, and and they make it sound so so rad now i don't think technically either of those two titles are all ages although I'd be pretty comfortable giving either of those books to any one of our nibblings.
1: Sure, sure. Granted, we don't have children and have no idea what's appropriate.
0: <laughs> but, uh, okay, all right, fine. We're just setting up Our favorite all ages comic of the year. That's the next stampy. One of our favorite categories every year and like every year, incredibly challenging because comics have been great in 2023. Kids comics, all ages comics in particular have been outstanding. There were a couple other comics that I thought were going to be our all ages stampy until just a few days ago when Lisa was like, no, Brad, this is it. You have to read this today.
1: Knowing Brad, I knew that this wasn't a book <laughs> that he was just going to pick up off the shelf, but it is definitely Lisa Gullickson catnip. There was like no way I wasn't rolling my face around in this book because it is a memoir. Technically, it's ages 8 to 12, but upon reading it, and this being our show, Brad and I decided that it was an all-ages comic, and it is Mexi-Kid by Pedro Martin. It takes a really important chapter from Martin's childhood when he and his entire family piled into an RV to go get their Abelito out of Mexico. And it takes place in the 70s. It's like a period book. It's
0: 1977. He has just watched Star Wars and it has changed his brain, his chemistry.
1: To the degree where he goes like, can I even connect with my grandfather who doesn't understand Star Wars. Like how can we even converse? And like
0: throughout the comic, Pedro is discussing all the things that he loves. He's a major superhero fan. (laughs) There is such a great, Description. I was going to say burn, but there is such a great s- description of green arrow mm-hmm. in this comic, yes. especially the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill green arrow. So there's like lots of nerdy things to geek out on throughout the entire s- series, but it's really like the odyssey is the driving thrust.
1: Pedro Martin talks about his childhood with such specificity. Mm. It's like a wonderful example about how, The more pointed, the more specific your story is, the more universal it can become. One of the aspects about his childhood that I really found myself getting lost in is this idea of the difference between, the chasm between older siblings and younger siblings. And in his story, this is exacerbated by the older siblings were born in Mexico, the younger siblings were born in the United States. And because of that, they just have kind of like this they stand at two precipices looking at the same thing.
0: Yeah, there's the siblings who are mostly Mexican and then there's the siblings who are mostly American.
1: Yeah, so it's like a study of like what makes your identity. Is your identity something that you're born with or is it something that you build? And I just think it's so beautiful. And when we think, like there are things that happen in this book where I would go like, would I read this to a three-year-old? You know what I mean? Maybe not, but it has to be for children because a child lived through it. Like, yeah. what would we be saying to Pedro Martin going like, wow, this scene really isn't appropriate I mean, for kids. It
0: is a kid's comic, yes. eight to 12. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but like, he lived a life that doesn't necessarily reflect what my childhood was like, right? Yeah. And And he had to grow up much quicker than I had to grow up.
1: But the way that he brings it all together as a literary piece, where he uses every tool in the cartoonist handbook. Yeah, and it
0: is a conversation about comics as well. You know, because he is so fascinated by his grandfather, you know, he's first told that his grandfather fought in the Revolutionary War. Right. And that's not the the, the Mexican Revolutionary War. And that's not exactly true. Yeah. But it's not not true. But the way that Pedro Martin explores it as a child is he makes comics of what his grandfather was up to. Mm -hmm. And when we go into those comic sections their pulp adventure stories, their silver age comics. It's such a playful memoir that I think any reader can enjoy, but a comics reader is going to really enjoy. And the thing is, Lisa, you read this much earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and there is a sequence in the book, there's a two-page sequence about the avocado. Yes. And that like really stuck in your imagination and you kept repeating it to me. Throughout the year.
1: Because it's two pages where I'm like, I'm a better person for having considered the avocado in this way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're not gonna spoil it here. But I would highly encourage you to seek out Mexican. It is a book that has had a lot of success in the scholastic book Mm -hmm. world. But I don't see a lot of, like, comics heads talking about it. I don't see it popping up on top ten lists.
1: Which is ridiculous, because this book is for you. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's such a comics heads book. It's, I mean, it's really, really fabulous. Obviously, we, we gave an, it a stampy. Yeah. Now let's wander back into the love inn.
1: I feel a, I feel a cramp coming on. Who's going to know some stretches,
0: <laughs> these transitions, uh, but let's see who are we mingling with next? Let's go find our next guest here.
7: Hey, comic book couples counseling. It's Robin Warren of geek girl strong. Thanks for asking me what my favorite comic of the year was. My choice is the true cult trade paperback, which collects the entire story issues one through five, including some bonus material. It was written by Scott Brian Wilson, illustrated by Liana Kangas, plus Gab Contreras, DC Hopkins, Jimmy Savage, and Jasmine Stone. The main character, Marty, is a fast food worker who decides he wants something to change in his life and decides to pull off a heist. He accidentally steals something that belonged to a satanic cult, And mayhem ensues from there. I first read this comic digitally as single issues after supporting its Kickstarter before it got picked up by IDW. And even since first reading it, I told this team that this comic book was one of the most original comics I had read in a long time. Liana's illustrations create fully fleshed-out characters that makes you feel like you're watching the story play out live. And the story itself is a collection that hits right at the heart of what a lot of people that I know are going through. Some where-is-God-now feelings, questioning your career choices, and looking for small bites of security— even if we only find it in a crushing hug from a friend giving us the tough love we didn't ask for but are truly thankful for all while navigating the different personalities of our different chosen family members not limited to but especially at work if anyone is interested in my current work helping nerds evolve their relationships with health well being and their bodies in general via private health coaching, public events, plus group and workplace workshops that can all be found at geekgirlstrong.com and basically all of the social medias at geekgirlstrong. Thanks again, and here's to another year of creating, reading, and often critiquing kick ass comics. Oh
1: man, heist, relationships. Self care, self help angle. Has there been some kind of sandwich mix up? Because that sounds like our jam.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not good that we have not read True Cult yet. Uh, we gotta correct that as soon as possible. Uh, thank you, Robin, for the reminder. And uh, please seek out their good work. We first met Robin at the San Diego Comic Con, and we're kind of in awe of everything that she does. Mm-hmm. For our next Stampy, we could have given this one to Mexikid. So we've got two memoirs back to back. But this one, hopefully, you're already aware of because you listened to our episode last week in conversation with Sarah Meyer. Yes, we're awarding the best memoir to Monstrous, a transracial adoption story.
1: Quick summary. We met Sarah at New York Comic Con at our IDW Ninja Turtles panel and they just blew our mind with their brain and their talent and their ability to just like take a stage, run a room, tell a story. And
0: their passion and their nerddom.
1: So we flitted, we fleed, we flew to the artist alley to get their memoir, and it is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, so here's the basic plot synopsis. Sarah is a transracial adoptee. They were born in South Korea and adopted by two white people, and they grew up in rural Maryland on a farm. And it's a pretty antagonistic community, especially the schoolyards. And they experienced a lot of bullying and mocking and Sarah escaped into cartoons and comics, grew up a big time Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles maniac and had obviously this tremendous imagination. But that imagination was a bit of a double edged sword because it caused them to internalize a lot of these negative emotions.
1: And it would also often alienate them from their peers. So what had initially started as just like coping mechanisms became almost like repellent. And um, I don't want to give the rest of the story away. It is beautiful. It is extraordinarily told.
0: It's raw, Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Yes. Right. And so when we had Sarah on the podcast, we talked a lot about what it was like to put so much of yourself out there and also to like structure your life in a narrative. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, creating a beginning, middle, and end to a story that is not over because Sarah is still out there killing it. It's also funny and charming, just like Sarah. I tend to make all books sound like the biggest drag ever, but (laughs) it's like fun, funny, and um, yeah. And you get to know the creator even better and perhaps learn to know yourself better.
0: Just like Mexicid, I think Monstrous is a book that a comics reader is going to respond to in a way that the average reader will not. It is such a celebration of the medium, and like Mexicid, very playful with the medium, too.
1: Team weird fears. I just like repeat everything that we talked about in our last episode. I just love that episode so much. Yeah,
0: please. If you haven't, if you're one of the new listeners who's here just for the stampies, go back to last week's show and hear Sarah go through the experience of creating monstrous and also hear about their world at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They've been illustrating the last batch of Saturday morning adventures issues, and they've been so much fun. I said it there and I'll say it again. The ShredderCon issue is amazing.
1: Oh man, I am like so jazzed from all of this talking comics and I want to read some of these right now. And I'm literally surrounded by screens and none of them have comics on them. Well,
0: that's okay, Lisa, because it's now time for some...
1: Referral!
0: Sponsored by Omnibus. Omnibus is a modern digital comic book store and reader app carrying your favorite single issues, volumes, and Omnibuses all day and date. Just like your local comic book store, you pay per book, but digital.
1: Their focus is on building an excellent customer shopping and reading experience and using novel discovery features to help fans find their next new favorite book. They feature top-tier content and already have many of the top publishers in comics today.
0: So normally, we would be in the spirit of helping folks find their new favorite book, and we would suggest some referrals to our counselees. That's you guys. But we've already had so many guests on this podcast suggesting books. Lisa, any of these comics that our guests have mentioned or that we have mentioned in the Stampies, can you find them on Omnibus?
1: Of course you can. I hate this place is on omnibus. Zawa and the Belly of the Beast, Kaya, those are both on omnibus. Um, True Cult, it's spelled funny. It's spelled T R V E K. VLT, but that's on Omnibus. And to say more would be spoilers for the second half of the episode, but some of those are also available on Omnibus.
0: 2023 is the year that Comixology finally died. Mm -hmm. We poured one out to them, but Omnibus is really filling that space. Lisa and I use Omnibus, we read off of it, and anyone with a browser can do the same thing. You don't need just the Omnibus iPad app. If you've got a browser, you can go to their shop, look at the links in the show notes, do so. Browse around. It's just like I said, walking into a comic book store, but digitally. And Omnibus is run by two really swell fellas. You know, Kenny and Travis, we think of them as friends. They're out there, you know, fighting the good fight for the medium. They are comic book maniacs and they want the best for the form.
1: They're not Bezos. They're (laughs) (laughs) O'Kazos.
0: It's so dumb, but so true.
1: Referral.
0: We are now getting into the really strange <laughs> and sticky corners of this love-in. Who are we going to find next? Who's out there? Who wants to recommend a book, friend?
8: Hello, Brad and Lisa. Eric Azana here, voice actor and host of the Explained podcast. And I am throwing my hat in the ring as part of this big old... 2023 wrap-up it's kind of a big deal for me if i'm being honest to be brought in for this end of the year list so thank you so much for having me on and i just want to talk about comics for a second i mean that's pretty much what i do over on geek explained you can check us out wednesdays and fridays wednesdays on the main channel fridays we have a book club it's incredible i have my good brothers malcolm russell nelson and jacob brown but looking back On the past year, there were a ton of comics that you could very easily call the best or your favorite. Uh, Mark Waid's dual Books of Shazam and, I mean, World's Finest are incredible pieces of comic bookery. On the Marvel side, we've got Sensational She-Hulk, which I think was... Hella slept on, as well as the Captain America saga of both Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers helmed by Tochi Onyibuchi and The Hive Mind, respectively. But for me, this whole year has been about the big dc push of the dawn of dc you know getting a great superman book out of this spotlighting new characters and bringing forward one of the initiatives that i was most excited about we are legends which brings me to the book that i am gushing about the book that i have been gushing about for the entire year spirit world written by Alyssa wong art by Haining. this book is just an absolute marvel Our lead character is Xanthi, someone who can walk between the mortal and spirit realm, who dives in to save Cassandra Kane after she is stranded after a chance encounter with Xanthi. And Xanthi heads down into this realm alongside their kind of... Fred of me, John Constantine, Constantine, if you're nasty, and the two of them embark on this journey not just to save Cass, but also to deal with Xanthi's search for identity. I think the idea of Searching for one's identity and not just that, but also accepting and learning to love one's identity is core to the Asian-American experience. And as an Asian-American comic book reader, getting this whole initiative was amazing. And to be very clear, you should check out all of those books. City Boy, The Vigil, both slaps go read those but for me spirit world was my jam i love supernatural stories i love stories that deal with asian mythology and having zanthi wielding their big ass sword fighting demons while also trying to learn how to reconnect with the people around them was just it was a wonderful story. So go check it out. It's amazing. Again, I've been gushing about it all year on Geek Explained. And go feel free to check us out. Uh, you might hear some uh, familiar voices on a recent episode of ours depending on when this episode goes live. So once again Brad Lisa, thank you so much for having me on you can find me at that daring man on Twitter and Instagram at geeksplained pod for the podcast and uh, I cannot wait to see what comes up next year because if it's anything like 2023 2024 is going to be fantastic.
1: <laughs> Why is Eric in the sticky corner? It it must be all that gushing he's doing. Uh, no,
8: it's because he
0: says Constantine because he's nasty. He's
3: nasty. <laughs> I
1: like it.
0: Uh, what I love about that is we have a buddy, uh, Matt Constantine. Why are we shouting and, him out? Because uh, he's a friend. He is. He's a friend, and he's absolutely nasty. He and is. that's how he likes it pronounced, Constantine. Great pick, Eric. Thank you. And our guest appearance on Geek Geeksplain will be out on the 27th of December, we have joined Eric to talk all things firepower, the Skybound comic from Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney had such a good time on that yeah. podcast. I'm
1: looking forward to listening to it myself and I'm on it.
0: So our next category is one of my favorite categories because it highlights another comic that I just don't see on enough top 10 lists. In fact, I haven't seen it on any top 10 lists Criminal. yet this year. Criminal, crime. Criminal, what a great word choice there, Lisa. We're talking about our best digital book of the year and the stampy for that goes to a criminal writer ed brubaker not on purpose Perfect artist marcos martin talking about of course friday such a good book only two issues came out in 2023 issues seven and eight but these are the issues where the book goes off.
1: The initial sell on this book is like, it's like the Scooby-Doo kids all grown up. Yeah, like Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, and I loved those books growing up, but Friday? kind of explodes one of like the main tenets of those books.
0: Yeah, like when you're reading the first volume of Friday and the first two trade paperbacks are available physically, when you're reading those, well, when you're reading the first one, there are some hints at supernatural shenanigans, but it's in the third volume and it's really at issue seven and eight where things take a swerve into the more wilder realms of genre.
1: Friday Fitzhugh and her estranged best friend, Lancelot Jones, were the crime fighters of their small town, the little child detectives. But now, Friday has returned in her late teens or early twenties, and Lancelot is missing. And she has to tap back into those same childhood intuitions that she's had. But the problem is, Lancelot was really the brains of the operation. And now we are several volumes into this story, several chapters into this story. And I don't like to tell you any more about the story would be major spoilers. And if you're not reading it already, shame on you. We can't
0: talk about issues seven and eight at all. yeah, Because it would be such a crime. Uh, pun intended, again, to spoil any of the developments that happened in 2023, but they are some of the biggest developments that happened in any comic book series, in my opinion.
1: And I feel like we are getting a fun and different side of Ed Brubaker. It is fun to see him go so magical and so weird. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that is perfectly complemented by the art of Marcos Martín. And the fact that we're only
0: giving Brubaker a stampy for this series should really highlight how good it is because Night Fever with Sean Phillips is astounding and Where the Body Was might be my favorite collaboration between Brubaker and Phillips. That book just came out in December. Lisa hasn't had a chance to read it yet, but she's gonna love it.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm a mark. I'm in the bag for all of those (laughs) kinds of stories. But I feel like Friday is the perfect pairing of subject matter and illustrator. Marcos Martin really captures that illustrated style that gives me like that kind of encyclopedia brown. Yeah, it's not
0: quite one of those book covers come to life, but it's close.
1: It's adjacent enough to really fill a nostalgic void for me. And I know, I know this is our digital comic category, But the physicals for this book too, like the size, the thinness, I can't wait to get chapter seven and eight on our shelf so we can see them all of those spines next to each other
0: yeah and I'm sure it'll be collected well I'm not sure as long as they finish the issues next year so if it's not collected next year maybe in 2025 but I would also argue that it makes for a great digital comic because of those colors yes the colors scream from the screen and I, I love taking little shots little screenshots of them and sharing them on Twitter and stuff of course I wouldn't spoil anything I wouldn't spoil anything but there's just some moments in there that you gotta celebrate with your friends.
1: I feel like there's like this spiritual genre connection between I Hate This Place and Friday. Oh, interesting. They're not at all, of, all the same, but I feel like their universes are like bumping up against each uh, other in yeah. the multiverse. I mean, I would
0: not have thought that, but now that you say it, I'm intrigued. I like that idea. I love Panel Syndicate where you can go to get the digital issues. The way it works is you pay what you feel like the creators are deserved. So if you pay them a dollar you get the issue if you pay them five dollars or ten dollars you get the issue you pay what you think it's worth and uh i i I love everything that marcos martin is doing with panel syndicate so seek them out uh right now right
1: now right now do it right now. not oh because you're listening to this episode you can listen and browse the
0: (laughs) internet you can get on omnibus while you're listening and buy some comics do it
1: we are freewheeling in this love I mean, I
0: have poured myself some scotch at some point.
1: Oh, I, they can hear recording. it. They can hear <laughs> it. We've really <laughs> loosened up, which is good. Like, you know, we're going to, let's take another round around the room. Make sure everyone's hydrated.
9: Who's in the shadows?
1: Nobody needs any a little snackies or anything. Moose Munch?
5: Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Trump Comic Book Keepers. Here once again in this year of 2023 to join in on this amazing episode with Brad and Lisa to talk about our favorite comics of the year, Chris. Thank you, Brad and Lisa, and happy new year to you. We don't have much time, so let's jump straight into it. Chris, what is your favorite comic of 2023? OK, well, the one that surprised me the most and that I
9: actually liked it was World's Finest Superman Batman by Mark Wade and Dan Mora, an amazing creative team. So I, I guess I shouldn't be so surprised that I liked it, but I'm not really a Superman or Batman comic reader. And so I kind of read this with a, you yeah, know, this should be entertaining and it's really fun. It's super Uh, action packed and bright and art is amazing because dan moore is amazing we've talked about him before mark wade is is stellar in his his storylines and the hooks and I, i love the just interplay of all the characters and everything so it's a really fun just it's a really fun book like it's a really fun comic book for any kind of reader um it's hard to put down it's it's easy to keep going it's on dc infinite so it's it's available to read Virtually as well as in person, but I definitely recommend it. Um, and uh, and it it's a convert for me. I'm like, cool. Now I'm reading Superman, Batman <laughs> for that. So that's my pick of the year. How about you?
5: You cannot go wrong with the duo of Mark Wade and Dan Mora. But I had to go in a different direction for my favorite comic of 2023, and that is going to be Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees from the mind of Patrick Horvath. This series is absolutely bonkers in the best way possible. Think of it like Richard Scarry's Busy, Busy Town meets Dexter. This is cute and cuddly creatures that are involved in some very messed up behavior and murdery behavior at that. I strongly remember being picked up from kindergarten being taken over to my grandmother's house and watching Richard Scarry's Busy, Busy Town. And I also remember at a very young age being shown Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? So clearly around that same time period, there was a a vision that was cultivated between these two genres that has corporealized into the creation of Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees. It scratches a niche that I didn't know existed. And I am having a blast with this series. There's only two issues out so far. Cannot wait to see where the series goes. But what an amazing series. Chris, your book is also fantastic. And we are just so grateful to Brad and Lisa for asking us to join in on this episode once again. Thanks, Brad and Lisa. Have a great one. Thank you.
1: I love what Chris was saying about like World's Finest is not what I would usually read, but then I read it and I found out that I actually really liked it. I feel like that should be everyone's New Year's Mm, resolution. Read outside of your lane. Brad and I... Uh, we read like we actually drive. We are all over the road. <laughs> Nobody feels safe.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. We aspire to be always out of the lane, <laughs> uh, both in the car and in the comic book shop.
1: But not in Eleven. We respect your boundaries.
0: Great picks. Lance, we are going to co-sign your selection here in one moment as we name the best first issue of the year. There were so many great introductory comics this year. Wonder Woman number one, Transformers number one, Birds of Prey number one.
1: Batman City of Madness number one.
0: So many options here for this category, but after some hard thinking, Lisa and I had to go with the first issue of Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees because that book came out like a metaphor that's powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, like... (laughs) It gave us momentum. Like we had the comic in our hands and then all of a sudden we were like buying extra copies and just giving it to anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is like the, the single issue where we were just like, okay, and you get a you get a copy and you get a copy and you get a copy. And then we started getting like free copies of Beneath yeah. the Trees while we were wandering around New York Abacad, and we just kept on passing them out. We were like the Pied Piper of Patrick Horvath. And it's, it's the type of comic that you really want to get behind because it feels... Feels like such a singular vision, something very new and fresh, and yet nostalgic as hell.
1: Yeah, like I definitely grew up on picture books, and I also was like a super scared kid. So like I totally relate to Patrick Corvath going like, there is something dark in Busy Town, and it is up to us to get to the bottom of it.
0: Yeah, and you know, like I think so much has been made about this, like it's. You know Richard Scary meets Dexter. Like that's that that is what the comic is, but it's so much more than that. It's what you're exploring there with your last statement there, and there's that added element of Sam the Bear, the serial killer bear, out in the woods, burying a body in pieces, and looking up and seeing a bear bear. Yeah. So there's like the anthropomorphized bear confronting the bear bear you know there's the pig butcher confronting the pigs that they have butchered
1: he's literally walking up to the line of metaphor and going like are we all okay with this
0: yeah 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 and he was a guest on the podcast several months back We had a wonderful conversation exploring these complicated and spiky ideas that are in Beneath the Trees where nobody sees. And we're going to need to have him back on once the series is all done. We have only had two issues. Now, Lisa and I have actually had a chance to read three issues and things get... Whew, things get rough in issue three, friends.
1: You, we're gonna have to talk about it, so you have to read it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So please read it. Um, but I, you know, the last thing I wanted to say about it is like it would only work if Patrick Horvath could pull off both sides. Yes, you know the Richard Scary and the Dexter, and he does so well with both. Mm-hmm. It is a gnarly comic. Yeah, like it is so visceral that there are pages that I have trouble looking at that conflict or that contradiction that occurs between like the busy, busy town and Dexter. Like they don't belong together, but they belong together so well in this panel. And I feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, no, it's cute. And it's creepy.
0: Grotesque. yeah, Grotesque. Yeah.
1: Safety is an illusion, y'all.
0: As our guests in our love-in should know by now. Oh, no,
1: no. This is, not, this is a metaphorical love-in where everybody is safe.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's find our last person to mingle with on this episode. Who's out there? Who hasn't run away yet?
10: Yo, Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. How are you doing? It's your boy, Botter, from the Short Box Podcast. Calling in to not only wish the both of you a happy holiday and happy new year, but also throwing in my two cents and my two picks for best comic of the year. That's right. This year has been so jam-packed with just great comic books and just great reading material that I couldn't just pick one. So I'm bending the rules just slightly and giving you my 1A and 1B picks. So here we go. So at the time of this recording... I noticed that you guys just put out your episode, your interview at like that, with Josh Williamson and Tom Riley talking about Duke and the Energon universe and, and Duke number one that's coming out later this month. And that actually leads me to my first pick of the year, which is Transformers, which is probably to no one's surprise because the book has been raved about so much. Even before issue one came out, it was Danny Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer are going to kick ass with Transformers. And sure enough, are they kicking ass. And I probably speak for a lot of people when I say that the hype for this book and just Daniel Warren Johnson's name alone was enough to make me excited about it. I know a lot of people were talking about it, but we're three issues in at the time of this recording. And I think it's safe to say it wasn't just hype. These two have delivered. Not just these two, but the overall creative team, uh, Skybound in general, with this whole Energon universe, they are delivering. All right. Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer, in this case, though, are reminding us yet again That if they aren't considered one of the best creative duos in comics, then they damn should be. If they're not on your list, I don't know what's wrong with you. Because they just seem to successfully and consistently put out grade A quality work. And Transformers is no exception to that. He's applied that Daniel Warren Johnson effect to Transformers. And he's made these characters that are almost 40 years old. The Transformers franchise is almost 40 years old. And through this series, it still feels fresh. It feels like it belongs in comics today. And I, it's one of those titles that I immediately go to the shop for. It's at the top of my reading uh, pile. And this last issue, issue three, oh my God. Whew, I don't know about you guys, but I am extremely excited for, to see this through. And I am praying to all deities out there that we get more Transformers from these two. And speaking of projects that had me excited for sheer hype alone but managed to blow my expectations out the water, that brings me to my one B pick, and that is Ram V and Philippe Andrada's Rare Flavors. I mean, it's on issue three by the time this episode comes out, but it's been an absolutely gripping and out-of-this-world story to follow along with so far. It combines Hindu mythology with Anthony Bourdain for a truly unique comic experience that only someone as ethereal and, and nebulous as Rom V could write. And don't get me started on Philippe's artwork. I mean, I loved the mini Deaths of Lay the Star. I think that was my 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 top pick for last year. So the bar was set very high with that series. And I was really curious to see how they were going to do something as kind of out there with, with like rare flavors. And I'm here to tell you, they it was not a fluke. Mini Deaths of Lay the Star was not a fluke. These two are just... Pushing the boundaries and pushing the envelope when it comes to comic books. So if you aren't reading rare flavors and you're a fan of Food Network and cooking, if you're a little, if you're a foodie or cook or someone that likes to cook, highly recommend it. It's it'll it'll blow you out the water like it did me. So those are my two picks for best comics of the year, Brad and Lisa. Thank you so much for having me and, and reaching out. And you know, not to inject any more nostalgia in this message. But it was an absolute honor to finally meet the both of you in person this year at New York Comic-Con alongside Chris and Aaron from Oblivion Bar and getting to meet Troy in person. The panel we got to do uh, at New York Comic-Con is easily one of my favorite moments from this year. It's a memory that I'm going to cherish forever. And I thank the both of you so much for what you do for comics and just being tremendous and fantastic people. Let's do it again real soon Take care and to the rest of your listeners, happy holidays and happy new year from the short box podcast. Peace
0: thank you we had a great time at new york comic-con on our podcasting panel with y'all and i love your picks yeah rare flavors is a book that we need to read i think lisa really needs to read it as a foodie
1: oh yeah um a foodie just visually i watch a lot of top chef and i feel (laughs) like i know things you've
0: cooked a thing or two in the
1: past yeah just to eat though I'm not an artiste.
0: (laughs) And yeah, uh, Transformers. I mean, we are uh, in the bag for all things Daniel Warren Johnson. We named his limited series Do a Powerbomb, one of our favorite books of last year. It was finally collected this year, and it's been wonderful to see so many people discover that comic book. And we feel so good seeing all the love that Daniel has been getting with Transformers, it seems to have taken him to another stratosphere of recognition. And the Energon universe, I mean, yeah, it's the most exciting thing happening in comics for Brad and Lisa, certainly.
1: It's always astounding to be at the birth, at the epicenter of an ever-expanding universe, and Void Rivals and Duke and Transformers as a trifecta are spinning out before our eyes. And it's just absolutely amazing. I cannot think of a more like, if you're gonna sucker us into a universe, this is the team to do it with.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was in for Transformers and G.I. Joe. We're getting new books from Skybound. That's great. Sucker for that. I'm already sold. Lisa, you have no nostalgia for Transformers or G.I. Joe.
1: I do not. Yeah, that's true.
0: I was nervous, like, oh no. Daniel Warren Johnson and Robert Kirkman and Joshua Williamson and Tom Riley. These are some of our favorite creators and they're doing something that Lisa has no interest in. Will she care at all? And then like from the first issue of Void Rivals, you're like yo. Yeah, I
1: have exquisite taste. As a person who had like a kind of restrictive conservative upbringing, it's not unusual for me to be like peeking over the edge of somebody else's pop culture nostalgia. The fact that Transformers and G.I. Joe are like this touchstone for so many people and not me is like makes me curious enough but void rivals doesn't have any of that anchoring from its starting point it's like this completely new thing but it's starting a conversation that really interests me like that idea of two cultures hyper focusing on the things that make them divided and the things that that make them different and then all of a sudden they go oh my goodness we're the same like part of me is yearning for that, and and for Robert Kirkman to put his finger on the pulse of that is, like, exciting. And then, like, there's a Transformer in it, and that's going to connect to Daniel Warren Johnson's book, which is so, such, like, as a, as a DWJ fan, stan, whatever you want to say, like, I find these first three issues of Transformers so nourishing, so curiosity-teasing, like... Uh, Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just so excited.
0: Well, hold that thought because we need to get to the final stampy of this episode, our best single issue of the year. And yes, it is Transformers related, no shock, but it's not necessarily the one I think some would think we would award. Transformers 1, a great start to the series. Transformers 2... That sequence with the deer where Optimus Prime spoilers, spoilers for Transformers two and three, by the way, Optimus Prime, steps out onto this majestic landscape that is Earth and accidentally crushes a deer and discovers the fragility of this planet and how on Cybertron he leaves no tread, but here he can break things. And then you contrast that with how Starscream handles humanity and Earth and he crushes it, he squishes it, he kills poor Frosting and sends Duke on this existential crisis in his series. And that deer sequence really just spoke to the heart of what Daniel Warren Johnson does. But that's not the issue we're selecting. We're actually gonna pick Transformers 3 as the best single issue of 2023.
1: It's that page turn where we see Spike's fragility laid bare next to the deer's fragility from Optimus Prime's perspective, like that moment Pricked tears in my eyes, it brought chill to my skin. Like, that is why we as humans connect with the idea of Transformers. Like, everybody agrees that fighting robots are cool, and fighting robots that can turn into like trucks and stuff, ooh, that's even cooler. But I think what has us coming and returning to the well of Transformers is that, of course, we find the Transformers cool. But the Transformers are also curious about us, and they also care about us.
0: The Autobots, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, the decepticons they're bad guys. But the idea that anything so powerful would be thinking about us at all, like, considering us at all, like, to me, it it goes to that place in us that goes, like, if I'm weaker, if I'm more fragile, if I'm scared, can I still matter in the universe? And, and I feel like, you know, the Transformers points to yes.
0: Yeah, I mean... What I love about issues two and three of Transformers is how it focuses Optimus Prime's perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, this is about Optimus discovering his role or who he is as a hero, a protector of the weak. And he lands on this incredibly breakable planet, the weakest like a planet he's ever experienced. And he goes, I need to protect this. And that's not necessarily what all the Autobots think. When you look at like cliff jumper, right? He has a different perspective on what's going on, but he does respect Optimus. And when Optimus sees the good in humanity and the beauty of earth Jumper will follow that.
1: That's what's exciting about being at the beginning of a universe. Like this is where all of the principles are set up. Like Optimus Prime doesn't yet know what he believes. He's discovering what he believes. And yeah. it's the same in Duke and it's the same in Void Rivals.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great point, great point. And you know, Transformers 3 is basically the midpoint of Daniel Warren Johnson's first arc of Transformers. And it ends in like a gripping, like, oh my gosh, is Spike done for? What is going to happen here? And that final panel of Mr. Witwicky possibly giving Optimus Prime the busted body of his son, you know, putting him into the cab. Like you hope that Optimus can save this child. And like, that's the other thing about Transformers issue three is how humanity then sees these transformers and cannot differentiate between Autobots and Decepticons. They're all bad. We got to kill all these big beasts. Let's fire all our guns. We've got guns. Let's use them. And that, The way that that is depicted in the third issue is just so brutally tragic. And then also going on in issue three of Transformers is this most punishing and brutal emotional beatdown, but physical beatdown between Optimus Prime and Skywarp, where Optimus Prime in this two-page splash rips off his own arm and uses it to club Skywarp like... Transformers 3 has everything that you love about Daniel Warren Johnson in those 22 pages or whatever.
1: What Daniel Warren Johnson does and how he sees stories cannot be imitated. He is unparalleled and Mike Spicer's colors bring it to life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you look at Daniel Warren Johnson's inks. And they're incredible. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. I love them. I want black and white editions of everything. Uh, but Mike Spicer has to navigate a whole lot of chaos in those inks. And he does so beautifully. And he does bring the book to life. Like you cannot imagine a Daniel Warren Johnson book now without Mike Spicer.
1: Everything is enhanced by the colors, the action, the emotion the momentum of the story is all wrapped in to that complete picture.
0: And I'm already nervously anticipating the end of this first arc. Three issues in, three issues left. It's going to conclude in March. And we don't really know what Daniel Warren Johnson's going to do after the first arc. I don't think anything has been announced. He has been talking on his YouTube page about this science fiction story that is percolating. And I cannot wait to see whatever that is. But I'll be sad when he's done with
1: Transformers 2. Zoom in, Brad. Live in the presence. <laughs> don't try to don't try to experience all of life in one glance. Well,
0: and he's done such a great job setting the stage. I'm sure whoever comes after him on this book, whenever that may be, will have a bunch of really rad stories to continue. And Skybound has proven already that they know how to assemble the right team for the right story. So the Energon universe is looking really, really bright. And yeah, like he it's Three issues are just out, Brad, three issues, three (laughs) issues. Just enjoy it, enjoy it.
1: Slow your roll. This is a problem that they do not have at the Oscars or whatever. Like a lot of what we're talking about are actually works in progress. Yeah. But this is a celebration of this year and what all of these amazing creators have accomplished and this is 11, we're supposed to be chill, we're supposed to be cool.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be cool, Lisa, I'm gonna be cool. Transformers 3, that is our pick for best single issue of the year. And that is gonna bring us to the conclusion of the Stampies part
1: one. Let's take a moment to reflect. For example, maybe three pretenses to this episode is too many. This can't be an award show and a love-in, but also we have the voice, the voice memo, what is it called? The Answering
0: Machine. The Answering Machine, so they're
1: calling in, but they're also our guests that are at this party. It's a lot. This is a hollow loaf of an episode. It is braided, (laughs) it is weaved.
0: I've had such a great time celebrating 2023 in comics with you, Lisa, and all of our guests wherever they may be in Lovin' or on the Answering Machine. And yeah, like next week is going to be part two, and it's gonna have some of my favorite categories, the big ones, Artist of the Year, Writer of the Year, Best Ongoing Series, Best Limited Series, Best Original Graphic Novel, can't wait to get to
1: those. We also wanna take a moment to wish you all from the bottom of our comics-loving hearts the merriest happiest of holidays from where i'm sitting right now i am looking at a pile a tower of unwrapped gifts <laughs> and they feel they fill me with slightly with like overwhelm but it also reminds me of the love i have for this year the love i have for my family the love that i have for you guys and the love that i have for comic books and i hope that you are giving and gifting each other what you love.
0: So, what you're saying, Lisa, is the moment we hit off on this record, we gotta wrap some presents for our family.
1: Yeah, because if I show up with everything just in <laughs> sacks, my mom is going to be disappointed.
0: Yeah, well, we have to record episode two of the Stampies immediately because we have to have that all wrapped up before we go on our little mini vacation. Because this episode's coming out on the 31st, and that's when we'll also wish you all a happy new year. Uh so stay. Stay tuned. You don't get your happy <laughs> new year just yet. We're
1: withholding. You
0: got to wait for our stampies.
1: But in the meantime, let's flip these bean bags. Let's <laughs> hose everything down.
0: <laughs> and get out of here. Brad.
1: Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you?
0: You can find me on most social medias at mouthdork. If you have some words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art show poster and fifth anniversary poster, send them to Karen Chap at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you?
1: We're always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, You can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app you prefer. We're everywhere.
4: We're on Audible.
1: Oh yeah, we are. If you'd like to get exclusive, mm. you can join our Patreon where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes.
0: If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com or follow us on all the socials at Podcasts.
1: You can give us a gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod.
0: So until next time, friends, keep your love tank
1: full. And your psychic rapport open. Let's mingle about the room. See who else is ready to spread some love on some comics. <laughs> 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 the finger motions? Was well, that-
0: also spreading love <laughs> on some comics. It's like a... Big old circle, Jack. I,
1: I have regrets.
0: Okay. I think it's fine.
1: Let's mingle about the room and see whom else is ready to spread some love on some comedy. <laughs> no.
0: Don't look at me. Close your eyes and say the sentence.
1: Okay. <laughs> I just can't think of a replacement.
0: No, just just say your disgusting, gross line and we will will bring vector in
1: okay